You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. edition of the Locked On Utes podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It is Wednesday, January 27th, 2021. My name is Brian Brown, a.k.a. The Brown Bear, hanging out with you on a Wednesday. We've got a great show coming up. We're going to continue our series talking about position groups. We call it the review and the preview. Today, we're going to look at the defensive tackle specifically and kind of give an overall grade of how they performed last season we'll preview what the defensive line is going to look like going into spring and then later on progressing into the fall we'll talk about a familiar face rejoining the athletic department in a new role and lastly gang it is here the schedule has been announced it's time to grab your sticks lacrosse season is back all that and all the other hijinks that you're used to on today's episode of the Locked on Utes podcast. Coming up next. Thank you as always for joining us on a Wednesday. Trying to get you through the week here on the Locked on Utes podcast. Courtesy of the Locked on Podcast Network. We are... Brought to you by the Legends Built Bar, Bet Online, two of our favorites. It's going to be a great show. We thank those partners for sponsoring us so that we can bring this to you and talk about the Utah athletics that you all know and love, that we all know and love. My name is Brian Brown again. Jake Hatch has the night off. That means that you'll be listening to this most likely in the morning. But with jazz games, it's it's usually hard for Jake to record and watch the games and do everything else that he has to do to prepare for, prepare for the radio show. So you're stuck with me alone tonight. But the good news is that we'll get Jake back soon and we'll wrap up as many of the position groups as we can together. I think it's just a lot more entertaining to kind of go back and forth and, and bring up different points and, and whatnot and as Jake and I were talking about it a little bit, I really want to bring him in to talk offensive line later on. I think it's probably one of the most important positions uh, in terms of interest and fan interest in terms of will they improve? How good were they really last year? I think most people would assume that they were good in the run game and not in the pass game. To an extent, that's true. Uh, but we'll talk about it more together. I think... Jake is actually a former high school offensive lineman. I am a former junior college offensive lineman. So together we might form three quarters of a college offensive lineman. I don't know. I I have plenty of experience with it, but we'll talk about that one in depth when we're together. For today, I want to talk about a group that is essentially the least concerned about group probably in Utah football year in year out and that's the defensive tackle position i think that's a huge credit first of all to kyle whittingham to morgan scally and the sioni puha who have done a phenomenal job of identifying the traits that they like in defensive linemen what translates well into their program shaping a developmental plan and then going after the type of athletes that fit that plan as we look back at last year i think it's difficult to really gauge fully um, 
just exactly how good that unit was because of the shortened season, but we're going to do our best to do so. Uh, I, I think the first part that I want to break down is, is we can talk a little bit about the starters first and foremost. It was Vianney Mawala and Huati Pututau. Vianney stepping into the shoes of Leki Fotu. I don't know why that lipped out brain there for a minute, but uh, maybe because Leki Fotu didn't want me to talk about him, and so he used his tremendous strength and superhuman abilities to stop me from actually trying to talk about him. But difficult task for Vianney to try and be the guy to reload behind uh, a talent like Leki. And I, I think Leki is probably going to go down as one of the most notorious defensive linemen in Utah history. I think at times he was just phenomenal. The USC game stands out to me as one where he just excelled. And, and when he is motivated and hungry, he's absolutely incredible and, and a great football player. And we're wishing him the most luck moving forward. But I think the hard part about replacing a player like Leckie is that his physical skill set, his size, his strength, his speed, his agility, his burst are just irreplaceable. There are not players out there. Even his younger brother, David, a.k.a. Tavita Fotu, is not the same type of athlete and the same type of specimen that Leckie is. He is 6'4", 300, signed his letter of intent. The Utes are optimistic that he will make it onto campus in the fall. He comes to Utah from the JUCO ranks. But Leckie is just a rare 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 physical specimen there are just not guys out there that are 6'5 340 with near six packs and and his kind of explosion and ability the way that he's built is just almost perfect to play defensive line it's one reason why he was so highly sought after by Utah and and towards the very end by USC he kind of flew under the radar oddly enough as a high school player Um, one day I'll bring uh, old blockcast favorite Cam Cameron Beck on to to talk about that. Uh, he had some some close ties to that program and has some good stories about uh, Lecky and 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 what it was like watching him in high school before really he blew up and Utah snagged him as a recruit. But I think the difficulty for a guy like Viani to replace Lecky is just you're not going to have that physical strength. You're not going to have that physical ability. Viani has a pretty close uh, skill set in terms of his frame. You know, he's a he's a much bigger player as well. He's 6'6", 323, uh, just not built quite as sturdily as Leckie, I think. Leckie had tree trunks for legs, and it's really hard to run fast with tree trunks, but Leckie somehow defied modern physics and was able to do it. And as such, Vianney has a lot further to go in terms of developing his body, and that was the biggest thing that I saw from him last year. He's got length. He's got the frame. He, he has a good idea of what he's doing, but he really needs to develop the physicality to play the position. He needs to be violent with his hands. And I didn't see a lot of that last year. Uh, he does an okay job of playing that one technique. And the one technique in, in Utah's defense is especially important because it plays what we call a two-gap, essentially, where that player will occupy two gaps, usually between the center and guard on either side. And, and that allows linebackers to flow and fill without having to stay true to their gaps in the middle. And how Utah does that is is not unique. I think there are a lot of teams out there that that use that same kind of two gap in an even front or a four man front. 
But what Utah does is they really dedicate a lot of their defense to stopping the run. And that's a little bit unique. I think a lot of teams are try to be more multidimensional. Utah is very convinced that if they take away the run, that they can beat you. And I think it's proven to be true. It's it's why they're one of the best rush defenses in the country year in and year out. And so Viani was a good player in that system. But replacing Leckie, I think you just always look a shade less explosive, a shade less uh, just bullish or bullish in there, I guess you could say, too. Um but we saw some gradual improvement, and, and he wasn't ever a standout. And I think really where he can work is is on his bull rush in the pass rushing game. That's where I think this defensive line as a whole kind of struggled. Um, but Viani will, will get into the weight room. He'll have a chance to really refine his body. And I expect that one more offseason will help him tremendously, and we'll see him start to grow a little bit in, into that position. The next guy I wanted to talk about was Huati Pututau. And I think Huati is best suited as a three technique. Um, he he is one of those guys who is a unique combination of, of speed and strength, but he really has the ability in pass rush to get around guys. And I don't think we saw a lot of that from him this year. Uh, some of that is because he had so much responsibility in terms of making sure the run game was occupied. And the other part of it, too, is they just had athletes at other positions that they could use to influence and, and get pressure. I think Nate Ritchie off the corner was was really good this year, especially for a freshman. We saw Devin Lloyd at times. We saw, I believe, Clark Phillips even on some blitzes. Uh, so Utah was very diverse in terms of how they brought their pressure, which is a good thing. But you also want to be able to get pressure with your four. And I don't know that they were elite at that last year, not like we're used to in years past. Some of that is due because there wasn't an elite edge rusher. But I did think that Mika Tafua got close to that. Uh, Huati Pututau should be on the cusp of something like that from the three technique. I think he is a true three. Uh, I think his his size is perfect for the position. He's 6'3", 310. You know, he has great hands. He's very... Uh, elusive for a big guy and that's really hard for an offensive lineman to get your hands on a guy like that when he's always moving and he can get you moving around and that's really where he's great is where he can get you going one way and then use his strength to throw you that direction and get it around you the other way and we didn't get to see a whole lot of that this year because he was primarily responsible for cage rushing and cage rushing is containing the quarterbacks from getting outside the pocket and pushing up through into the pocket so you force them out to your edge rushers but I do think that this year, where Utah is going to have a little bit more depth of that position, a little bit more explosion, a little bit more option, that you could see Huati get some more pass rush and be able to work his moves a little bit more. My standout for the group for the season of 2020, I think, or or let's call it my biggest surprise, um, is Tennessee Pututau. And, and some of that is just because I didn't know what to expect from him coming back uh, from the mission. Now, as a high school athlete, he was every bit what we saw on film. He's a great athlete. He's got good size for the position, 6'1", 285. He is really, his get-off is tremendous. And, and he just has that kind of unique churn to him where he's just always moving upfield at a quick rate of speed. He doesn't really, like, explode into guys and just blow them over like a lucky foe to with one punch but he's just so quick and moving and so effective at just getting into guys and bull rushing it reminds me a little bit of Viliseni uh, Falanuku from a few years ago and I think his 6-1 height actually kind of helps him a little bit in that too because he can create better leverage when he's going up against offensive linemen that are 6-3 and 6-5 and all of those tools I think really 
showcased how good he was uh, in, in pass rush. You know, I thought he played a lot um, on on those kinds of downs and, and really showed some some good explosion. And and so you have to look forward to next season and think a little bit that he'll be in that mix, especially in the second and long, third and long packages to, to rotate. But Utah's always going to rotate eight guys. They always want to have healthy and, and fresh offensive linemen in the fourth quarter. It's been a staple of Kyle for a long time. They have the depth to do that. Depth. I want to get to the rest of the depth on this unit. But first, I want to talk about what keeps me fueled and keeps me going. You know it. You've heard it. It's Built Bar. And I just, guys, if you haven't tried it yet, get out there and try it. BuiltBar.com. It's super simple. We've talked about all the reasons for it. It is healthy. It is keto-friendly, high in protein. It is a very filling snack. It's something that you can use to either bridge the gap between meals. If you get the hangries early in the morning like I do, you can have one of those along with a protein shake or some fruit or, or something like that just to up your protein intake. It's always a good thing in the morning. If you get snacky in the afternoon and, and don't want to eat anything heavy before dinner, it's a good bridge for there. If you're you know, loading up in, in one area or one time of the day or the other. I, I know a lot of people out there like to try intermittent fasting. It's a good way to break your fast. You have that first, kind of satisfies you, keeps those calories down. That's another good reason why you should eat them because they are very low in calories considering what you're getting in it. 18 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of net carbs. So like we said, keto-friendly. And then it's the 18... Uh, 18 different flavors and they come out with a new flavor every now and then the lemon almond cheesecake is one that I would point at along with the carrot cake as two of my new favorites you know all the others cookies and cream cherry barcia mint chocolate I also like the double chocolate a lot it's kind of a nice change of pace uh, and I had a peanut butter one today that was also good as well the banana bread I mean I could go on and on about this the you know how I feel about the built bars it's it's not a read it's it's genuinely something that i care about and most people that i know who have tried them have agreed with us that, that they are delicious they're different it's more like a candy bar it's got a little bit of a nougaty center and it has real chocolate on the outside but it still keeps it healthy built bar is the place to go to get them at you can go directly to builtbar.com the promo code is locked on you get 20 percent off your next order i recommend doing the variety pack and if you once you get used to whatever flavors you like, you can mix and match. You can do the, the Built Bar Bites, whatever it is. They have a – I would recommend going there right now because there is a special going on that is different from just the regular Built Bars. So go check that out, BuiltBar.com, and let's get built together, gang. Alrighty, jumping back into it, I want to talk a little bit about – uh, who stood out the most to me, and, and it's actually not somebody who actually played this year, but it's it's a player who didn't, and that's Samisi Luwaki. I thought Samisi Luwaki was the most intriguing prospect to me coming back to Utah in the fall. Unfortunately, he decided, I should say, unfortunately for us, for the fans, for those of us watching the team, for media, for everyone else like that, uh, for the observers, I should say, he opted out of this season, and I, I, you know, I have all the appreciation and respect for that. It was a crazy year. I, I think players ob- absolutely need to look at themselves first and foremost and take care of themselves and do whatever they need to do. But I do believe that he will be returning to the team. There, This was not something to where it was disgruntlement or anything like that. It was just his choice was to sit out the year and, and take care of his family and take care of some things in that regard. 
I do believe that he'll be back in the fall. And Lewaki is one of my favorite players because he has incredible hands. He has great speed with his hands, and he has great power with them. And when he gets his hands inside on an offensive lineman, they can't stop him. And that makes his bull rush incredibly effective. I think everybody remembers the play against Idaho State two seasons ago where he got in and got thrown out for a bogus targeting call. I'm just going to say it. And and if you can argue to me if you that you thought it was targeting, and I can argue that it wasn't, and we can both point at the rule and our interpretation of it and both be right and both be wrong, and that's why I hate the targeting rule. I'm not going to talk about that for the rest of the time, though. I want to talk about Samisi because I think he's probably – the guy that I would look at and say that he's the one that intrigues me the most going forward. He's the guy that I really want to see in the spring, that I want to see how he emerges. I want to see what happens to him in the fall because he, I think he's a guy who could take over a spot. I think you've got some flexibility on Foster with Hawati, with Viani, uh, that they can interchange a little bit at that one team, one technique. I think Hawati can play there, and you could kind of bump him out to the three if you want on, on pass passing downs. I think there's a lot of flexibility up front. I think we saw some of that with Devin Kafusi and how he slid inside and really, really created some great holes just by being long and strong and, and able to play inside but with the quickness of a defensive end. So, so that's that – just that versatility that you have up front is big, but I think that Samisi is just an every down guy. And so I'm excited to see what he can do with some extra work in and, and see, you know, how he puts together a full season where he's kind of the guy and, and see if he does actually take over a starting spot. I think it's really hard to start a second string guy over a returner and it's twofold. One, you always want to pay appreciation to your returning starters. Uh, two, they're usually the guys that get the most reps. And so you really have to come a long, long way if you're a second or a third teamer to overtake that. And I think that's one of those things when we talk about guys with potential. And that is, that's basically all that we have with Samisi is just some potential right now. It's really hard for them to, to take over the guys who have actually put in the work and put in the time because they haven't been out there to experience the ups and downs and the ebbs and the flows of the game. And so that's the biggest part about it is that every single game is like a life experience where there are clues and there are lessons to be learned and you're out there experiencing it for the first time, essentially, even though you've practiced it all week long, even though you studied it, it's against a different opponent and that brings a different angle. It brings a different challenge. You're being attacked in a different way than you are in practice. You're having to adjust in a different way than you do against your own teammates and and so that always, in my mind, gives starters a little bit of an edge going into it. There were, you know, Peter Tonga exiting the program, landed at Hawaii, great for him. Really excited. He's, he's a tremendous player, just didn't have a lot of uh, time this year. And, 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 you know, I think it was interesting that we didn't see a ton of rotation from the defensive tackles because of the versatility. So, you know, that kind of ends our review. But the preview aspect of it, I think, is we've started with Samisi also moves on to Tanoa Tongiai, who I am very curious to see what he does going into year one slash year two. He's a very, very highly touted recruit coming out of Idaho. He's an incredible athlete. He's a basketball player, huge frame, 6'6", 310, just kind of getting him his, his feet wet, so to speak, in, in college football last year. And so he had a big, steep learning curve. 
But I think his athleticism, I think a year, a full year in Doug Elisaya's strength program makes him a really intriguing candidate to make that first four, we'll call it. Those those four interior defensive tackles that rotate consistently that you could kind of call all starters. And then you can mix and match guys in terms of packages and whatnot. You know, there are two defensive linemen coming into the program this year. We've talked about Tavita, uh, Tavita Fotu and then also Michael Mokofisi, who is the younger brother of Filippo Mokofisi and, and his, his father, uh, Flip Sr., also a, a former Utah player. Uh, they did not go after a ton of defensive linemen in this this per- particular class. I should say defensive tackles. There's quite a few defensive athletes out there, but I don't think I think that's because they like the depth that they have. There's a lot of versatility. So if we if we scout it out and go, oh, let's say uh, starting Viani and Huati just to, to stay with you know consistency, and then Tennessee and and. Uh, Tanoa backing them up or, or excuse me, Samisi backing them up with Tanoa working in there. And then you also have Aliki Vamahi who has returned from a mission last year, still working to get back into shape and everything like that. That's now six guys in the interior. And we haven't even talked about how you can use Max Tupai or Devin Kafusi on the interior. We haven't talked about Miki Sugutaraga, possibly Sugutaranga, I should say, excuse me. I'm trying to do a better job of, of pronouncing that silent N. Uh, or the missing end, I should say. Um, but Mickey is a candidate that I could see moving into the inside as well. Xavier Carlton is a guy that we didn't talk about a ton yesterday, not necessarily because we're not high on him or we don't expect him to get time in the rotations. He is a tremendous player, but it's just because he's not a pass rush specialist. I think he's he's going to be a big physical defensive end and so he'll have a variety of roles as well where you can slide him on the inside a little bit on on pass rush situations and he can use his explosion and his length against guys that are a little bit slower and and maybe a little bit stronger but he can use that to his advantage And, and a lot of what it takes is it just takes work learning how to leverage that kind of thing against a player because you can push and you can pull, but those guys have been trained to stay essentially immobile. So you always have to work around them. And so what you have to do is you have to convince them to come after you somehow and then use their momentum against them. You know, kind of like a Pratt fall type thing where you pull the rug out from underneath them or Lucy pulling the football out from underneath Charlie Brown. That's really what you want to do because that's how you can get around them. If you're just going to try and go through them every play, as we've seen time and time again, that's not an effective route. You really have to be elite with your hand fighting if you're going to do that. And it's just really, really hard to be that good. Um, but I do think that Utah has some of the better defensive line technique coaches in the country and so they do a really good job of refining that but as you can see as we've gone through this and we're already 25 minutes into the podcast there is a lot of depth at the defensive tackle position and and so it should be a stronger group this year I think what's great about it is if you have somebody who's not getting the the hint or you know you need some versatility against the team you can make those moves and these are guys that are very similar to offensive linemen in the fact that they just want to play football and have a good time. That's really the the group that that kind of, you know, especially at the interior for the defensive tackles because so much of what they do is just occupying blocks in the run game and making sure that the quarterbacks don't go up the middle in the pass game. We call it the cage rush again. Contain rush is another way. 
And so that's really some an area where they don't get a lot of shine. They don't get a lot of identification. But I think this particular group could be very explosive in that regard. It, that's where it's going to be fascinating. Are you going to put uh, Lawaki and Tennessee Pututau out there uh, at the same time? Are you going to mix and match Viani and, and Huati because they are the bigger guys that are a little bit more dense? Are you going to try and play a lighter player on the inside with Miki Sugaturanga against some teams to try and get yourself some speed and try and shoot some gaps depending on what the scheme of the other team is? For example, against a team like Washington, that could be really effective, right? Where they're trying to get out and move. They're trying to get good angles to block you on. And if you can avoid those angles, it's much like what Coastal Carolina did against BYU. If you ever watched that game in 2020, if you didn't, even if this is a Utah podcast, that was a heck of a football game and I'm sorry you missed it that being said i think there's a lot of potential in this group but it's going to be up to them to really harness that potential and, and turn it into production i think that huati pututau is going to be the leader i think he'll be hungry going to this year i really have high hopes for samisi luwaki they will need to dedicate themselves to leadership and, and really building a strong camaraderie within that group it's been a tradition for a long long time that the defensive tackles kind of lead the way for the defensive line because they are essentially the the enforcers they're the bouncers at the club they're the biggest dudes on the field and they have the most immediate impact in terms of space or, or relation to the ball so having said that i think it's a group that has a lot of potential I'm really excited to see what they do in the spring. I hope we get to watch practices, but especially going into the fall, I expect this group to emerge and to really project a lot of talent, especially two and three levels deep. You know, as we sit here and talk about all these things and I'm making all these projections and guesses and they're educated guesses, I have a pretty good grasp of what it takes to be good at the college level i've watched a few games i've coached at the high school level i've seen the level of athlete that you need to be up close and and what's required of you you know i've sat in on a few coaches clinics with the university of utah coaching staff and had a few conversations with them so you would think that my advice would probably be a safe bet right well here's the good news you can go to betonline.ag and tell them that I'm out here making projections, and I bet they would let you set a line against them. That's why we love Bet Online. They're one of the few places where you can go and you can ask them to set a line on something, and they'll do it. They are all about giving you opportunities to play, and that's one of the best parts about Bet Online, along with the ease of use, along with the 50% sign up bonus that they give you when you sign up, along with the new beta website that they've created, along with all the varieties of games that you can play with. You know, there's basketball going on right now, it's college and NBA. You can play parlays, you can do teasers. There's all sorts of options on there. It's a, it's a great way to have a little more fun with sports. And we talk about Skittles, you get good at it, you get a few extra Skittles. No one in the family is going to complain about that. The best part about it, whatever you deposit, use that promo code locked on to get a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. 
Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. We use them. We love them. We're proud to be sponsored by Bet Online here on the Locked On Podcast Network. That's a lot of discussion about the defensive line. I appreciate you hanging in here with me. We're almost close to 30 minutes again. It's it's incredible how quickly the time goes. I know that I can speed talk through a lot of that stuff. If you have questions about anything that we're discussing or any of the players, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter. I, I can't I don't have the handle in front of me, but I apologize to whoever it was who who, who asked me a question earlier. I'm pulling it up right now. This is terrible radio. Uh, Jess C. So Jess sent me a question, uh, two-part question actually, said, uh, just wanted to get your thoughts on a couple things. One, no Carlton talk. Is he that buried? Two, you had mentioned Riley as the first really versatile defensive end. What about Paul Kruger? Jess, thank you for listening first and foremost. I did respond to that, but I'll answer it here too. Carlton's not buried. Uh, we just kind of took more of a pass rush angle because I think that's the biggest concern for people. And I do think that Xavier is just not the explosive pass rusher that everybody loves, that kind of twitchy uh, uh, Khalil Mack type that's just super explosive. But he's very long, he's very strong, and, and his length is what can get him to the football. And, and as he develops his technique, he'll just continue to grow and grow. I kind of compare his pass rush style to Devin Kafusi, but he's a little bit more athletic, and he definitely has room to fill out his frame a lot more. And as he develops, he's a hard worker too. He worked with Coach Ronnie Mack all season and off season long, and it was all the time. And what was really cool about Xavier was that he got that group of, of freshman in-state guys together to work out together on Saturdays. So they started building camaraderie early on as a group, and I think that's a real strong sign of who he wants to be as a player. He doesn't just want to be a guy. He wants to be a leader, and I think he will get that opportunity we try to project these things and Utah's just so deep right now that it's hard to really know until I get eyes on him in the spring. And so we'll have a lot better idea of what will happen in the spring ball, but he is a tremendous athlete. So uh, we'll definitely see him as far as Paul, Paul Kruger goes, excuse me. He probably was the first of the drop defensive ends. My thinking in, in saying Trevor Riley was just that Trevor played so many different positions. He wasn't just like a rush in and then dropping back. He played some middle linebacker. He was even versatile enough that you could probably play him in the middle of the field a la Brian Erlocker, where they use that cover two technique and you kind of cover the whole entire middle of the field. But Paul Kruger definitely... We don't talk enough about what a tremendous player he was and how good of a pass rusher he was. And as I think about guys who are on this team currently, maybe Van Fillinger is the guy who seems like he's the best comparison for Paul Kruger in my mind. The second would probably be Blake Keithy. And and we're all hoping that he gets that explosion back and, and, and you know gets back to being fully healthy uh, as much as he possibly can because we'd love to see it out there. So, again, thank you for the questions. Always happy to answer those. And and there are times, I'll be honest with you, uh, where I talk about things and I just simply neglect to think about them. You know, it's I remember listening to podcasts and radio guys and especially guys like Scotty and Hands think are some of the very best in the state. And I would be listening to the things that they were saying and I'd be like, whoa, 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 whoa that's different from what I know or what I'd been hearing or what I'd seen. 
and and so that's why it's good to have the audience here to keep you guys keeping us in line because sometimes especially when i'm here by myself i can get going in a single direction a thousand miles an hour and i can forget about things same with jake we try to do this more free-flowing rather than just rote presentation i could write out all these takes and make sure that they're loaded with statistics and sometimes i do that just to make sure that i'm getting everything right but i like this to be more conversational i want it to feel like you're sitting front row and i'm sitting uh just right across from you and telling you what i know and then we can respond back and forth you know that's what what's great about twitter and and email and all these other things is it does give us the opportunity to interact um so i appreciate the questions as always if i forget something let me know if i get something wrong which does happen from time to time you get going on this and you're not taking the breaths that you're supposed to be taking and you're talking really fast. Kayvon Thibodeau is one that I always seem to misplace or call him Justin for some reason. I don't know why, uh, but he's an incredible athlete for Oregon. And for some reason, I just always tend to black out on his name. But as I, as we wrap up this episode, I wanted to close this with some Utah news and it's some really good news. Charmel green has returned to the university of Utah as the deputy AD and chief oper- operating officer. Charmel was a Utah softball All-American and Hall of Fame member. She was previously at Penn State, where she spent the last 10 years serving as a Senior Associate AD for Student-Athlete Performance, Health, and Welfare, and Senior Woman Administrator. I think this is a great move to bring Charmel back to the University of Utah to install her as the Deputy AD and Chief Operating Officer, most likely replacing Kyle Brennan and, and the duties that he had. She's a phenomenal leader. Uh, I'll quote this from Mark Harlan. She is a phenomenal leader who has earned tremendous respect as an intercollegiate athletics administrator. And it is a great day for Utah athletics to welcome one of our own back to Salt Lake city. Her expertise in all areas that impact student athlete well-being will make a significant impact in enhancing the experience of our student athletes. And I do think that's true. Uh, I think that's a great move on behalf of Mark Harlan to bring back somebody who understands where the program has been, can see where it is now, and will be able to have the foresight as to what needs to happen to get it to be up there with the elite of the elites. And regardless of what you think about Penn State, that is a massive job to lead that kind of an athletic department. She's been in a variety of places too. She's been at Notre Dame. She's been at Penn State. She's had a variety of different roles. She was actually a softball coach for the Fighting Irish from 2001 to 2005. A little bit of her background, uh, she was a first-team All-American in 1990, second-team choice in 91, and was named the 1991 Western Athletic Conference Player of the Year and winner of the Oxy Evans Award, honoring the outstanding senior woman athlete in team sports at the U. She was also Sportswoman of the Year in softball in the state of Utah after leading the Utes to the College World Series in her highly decorated senior year when current Utah softball head coach Amy Hogue was a freshman. So she's got ties to the program. She knows where it's been. I think that's a program that's on the rise as well. But I think it's always good to get a former Ute back here where she can contribute to the program and and hopefully build and grow the career that she's already started. And we're looking forward to having her back. And I'm definitely looking forward to meeting her at some point and, and working you know, as, as whatever – 
quality I can in terms of a media member uh, together with her. It, it should be exciting. We're going to close this thing out. It's been a, a little bit of a long episode, but you're used to that by now. Just a quick announcement that Utah Lacrosse has announced their 2021 schedule. They will start on January 30th with Denver. And I'm super excited about this. This was a team that was really fun to cover. Brian Holman is a tremendous coach. I think that people, were, as they get to know him, will find that there's a lot of similarities between he and Kyle Whittingham. He fits the Utah program perfectly. They had just started to really emerge as a, a program to be dealt with out here in the West when all the COVID stuff shut everything down. But it will be exciting to see them compete uh, again this spring they'll start out with four straight road games like i said denver on the 30th of january then they'll travel to bellarmine for uh february the 6th air force on february 20th and loyola on february 27th then they'll open up the home schedule here on march 6th against jacksonville a week later they'll take on westminster and then they'll finish out with another four game road stretch against mercer boston university virginia Cleveland State. Virginia is going to be a great matchup to really gauge where this program is at and how well can they compete with the elites of the elites in the D1 level. Denver is also a very elite program as well. Air Force has been very successful, but this will be the first year, in my knowledge, that they'll be playing Virginia. They'll return home May 1st to play Robert Morris and then close out the season on the road at Syracuse, another powerhouse in the lacrosse uh, lacrosse universe. So it'll be an exciting season for them. They'll have a lot to look forward to. They've been already at it and working and we will keep you updated as to what their progress is. We'll try and get as many interviews as we can that we're well connected to the lacrosse program. And it's going to be an exciting sport. I think for Utah fans to get on board with, they usually stream most of the games. I try to keep track of them on Ute zone, do gamers and recaps and things like that. So we'll keep you apprised to that. If you have questions about lacrosse too, we'll try and answer those as well. That's going to be it for today's episode of the locked on Utes podcast. Thank you so much for staying with me today. I know it can be hard when it's just my voice coming through and Jake's not around, but I genuinely appreciate you listening. We're excited to bring you all this content every single day don't forget to subscribe rate and review if you haven't already and tell your friends about me that's it for today's episode this has been the locked on youths podcast for wednesday january 27th 2021